Good guys and girls, welcome to the Swingman Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Jordan Ledger, joined by the vivacious duo that is Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to be going through the Eastern Conference to discuss what we can take away from each and every team this season. Um, now, chaps, I think we're going to go in reverse order. So tell me, old Louis, are there actually any positives to take away from the Cavs this season? Very few. I will say that. We had a little chat about the Cavs couple podcasts ago didn't we before the season was suspended anyway where we decided they were the most hopeless team in the nba so not getting off to a great start there and the whole positive question no but i i will say if i gotta give one bit of credit due i think colin sexton has improved this year as a scorer um he's averaging 20 mm-hmm. points per game pretty decent efficiency at that he's just to me, not a natural point guard. He's not a very good playmaker. He's one of the highest usage guards in the league, especially, you know, only being a sophomore. And he's only getting three assists a game. And then you pair that with a guy who they drafted this year as well, and Darius Garland, who as well, I think, is a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And they've got the same sort of weaknesses as well. They're not very good defensive players. They're both quite small. And I think, I've said this a couple of times before, that, when they drafted these two, they uh, had the image of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard as mm. their like template. But the, the I don't see either of them ever getting to the levels of Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum really, and that, that that's a big problem. And then there's also the problem of they've got guys on the roster, veteran guys who don't want to be there, and that's kind of stunting the development I've been I think of these guys younger guys as well like Chedi Osman as well and I don't think it's a very good mix I'm not sure what they can do moving forward particularly because I don't, I don't know who's going to take Kevin Love's contract at this stage but mm-hmm. uh, I mean what what do you guys think like what would be your path moving forward with the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, George you want to take it or shall I go you can go. You can leave it in the Cavs, mate. Okay, so, it's the hardest job. Yeah, league. when I when I looked at the Cavs, I uh, I agree with your sentiment, to be honest. And partly it was just overall they still suck <laughs> in <laughs> general. And then, uh, but then going into it a bit more, you spoke about Darius Garland. One of the things I put down was I was a bit disappointed with how he played. Yeah, but I think I think. It's harsh to put the entire blame of that on him. I think it's partly down to, as you said, him and Sexton trying to work together. They're not. They're not. They didn't look like they were the greatest fit throughout the no, season, as you said. I don't think so. Sexton's high usage rate, and then, and then the rest of the team has just had a lot of problems. You know, Kevin Love wants out. Tristan Thompson doesn't sound like he's having the greatest time at the moment over there either. So Drummond doesn't seem like he particularly wants to be there either. The guy yeah. was 
absolutely fuming he got traded over there. And you also we've also got to mention the coaching situation where they had that. It was just an absolute disaster. Mm. So that, that'd be my main takeaways. I mean, got he's Darius Holden still averaged over twelve points, which isn't terrible for a rookie year, but I was expecting more from him, and I know you were too, Lou. You had high hopes for Darius Garland, so yeah, just just a <laughs> bit underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> George, you're going to say something. Um, I mean, to take that, there isn't really much I can say that you can take away as a positive from this season, apart from the fact that it got ended early for the Cavs. Um, that's probably their best. That's probably the best thing that's happened to them. Going forward and and where it's going to go from there, the entire thing hangs on Andre Drummond, doesn't it? It's a player option. So I'd be quite surprised if he doesn't take it up, if I'm being honest. Um, and I'm pretty confident the Cavs are expecting him to take it up, even though he's fuming at it. I think he'll be taking it up. Um, and, you know, it'll be a positive for them next season. But that that's their whole thing now. They've just got to wait and see what he does. And then they can go from there, realistically. I mean, they'll have another lottery pick as well. We all know this year's draft is not wasn't very talented to begin with, and then I think with the whole NCAA tournament being uh, cancelled completely, all basketball season is shortened because of the coronavirus thing. Guys are really, really hard to assess at this stage. So, if if I was them in the draft, I'd try and if they want to move forward with you know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, still they're going to have to get some defense in there. But yeah. finding like a a you know a really defensive-minded wing who can contribute offensively as well, very very difficult. But they're the guys that everyone wants, and um, you know. I think Andre Drummond. I think Andre Drummond is a good mix for the the young guards that they're going after. But well, they're no, going if he doesn't to... want to be there though. If he if his mentality is like, I'm well, just there, I'm for, just the there for the paycheck, yeah, yeah. Then it's not going to be good. And it's that mix of a guy who probably at this stage wants to win. And then these guys who are trying to grow in the league as well. I just don't like it. That's the worst position you can be in. You can be in one that like the new Knicks are terrible. Let's don't get me wrong. We'll get onto them, but at least they've all got young players. Like Mm. Cleveland are just in this absolute mess of a, of a roster. And I don't know. There's not a quick fix for it. There just isn't. They've just got to try and move forward and make the best moves they can. It would be in Andre Drummond's favour for him to play well and go into that season with an open mindset and do as best as he can. So I'll be very surprised if he tries to tank his own season by being mm. unhappy. Because at the end of the day, if he's crapping at Cleveland, then it affects what other teams in the league are going to see Andre Drummond as. He's I mean, going to go there and be the best player on the team. He should act like it. Yeah. His stock's not very high at the minute either. We can all agree to that. So yeah. we'll need that. I do agree. That's a fair point. Whether that contributes to winning basketball though. We'll, we'll have to see, really. But I think that's all we can say on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Sorry, yeah, that's a bit depressing. Yeah, friendly yeah, fans I mean, out there. Yeah, if, if you're a Cavs fan that's listening, I, I can appreciate that it was pretty a, a dull point of view from all of us there. But, um, you know, you had some glory times and there will be glory times ahead. But <laughs> you, had three, you had three first, like, number one picks in a row. Like, come on. Yeah. One of them um, was LeBron James back in the day. Can't yeah, complain too uh, much. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a little heavy for a while, but it, um, I think that's enough time that we've spent on the on the Cavs. It's about seven yeah. minutes now. It's too much. Um, so next up, so in fourteenth currently, we've got the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Lewis, mm-hmm. what would you take away as the big key from their season? Well, I, I think it's quite hard to take anything away from well, as the main thing, especially from the Hawks season, other than Trey Young is special. 
defensively, not great, but <laughs> other than that, he's a special talent. Almost averaged 30 points a game last season. 10 assists to go along with that, nearly. He was shooting a lot better to go along with those increased points. And he looks like someone that they can definitely build around for the future. And uh, it's an exciting time if you're a Hawks fan from that aspect. But <laughs> looking on the other side, the one big takeaway as well, apart from that, is that defensively, and maybe he sets the tone for that, they are awful. Mm. <laughs> they are 28th in defensive rating out of the 30 teams in the time that was played before it got called off. And it's just not acceptable. And, and that's why, even with his amazing exploits, they find themselves where they are in the standings at the moment. Yeah, that's a fair point as well. I think with Atlanta, the one thing you got positive is that with all of these teams we're going to talk about in the sort of bottom half of the East here, they don't have that young star that they can truly, truly build around, I don't think. Mm. That, that that we know of anyway. Someone can emerge, but we know Trey Young's a very, very good player. First-time All-Star this season. But uh, like you said, the defence is where they're going to have to build around with him because he is such a sieve defensively. He can't stop anyone going through him. He can't stop really, you know, contest anyone on the perimeter either. And I think they were hoping that guys like, the guys they drafted anyway last summer, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, I think they thought that that was going to be like, they were going to see improvements on that end because those guys are more defensive prospects. Mm. But they're young guys, and I think getting these rookies in to try and sell your defense immediately was never going to work. And I think they panicked a little bit. They definitely panicked a little bit because they traded for Clint Capella at the deadline. Wasn't yeah. a massive fan of the, the trade at the time. Still not a massive fan because I think it pushes John Collins into more of a stretch four role. He's better in the pick and roll and that. I don't, yeah. I don't think Clint compares that good personally. He's a good player, but he's not like needle, you know, needle change, game change and stuff. So, I mean, they they should they've got another lottery pick this draft as well. So, again, they'll have to focus on defense, probably a defensive wing, like everyone in the league needs to. Yeah, uh, but yeah. like uh, I, I will say, they've got Trey Young, and that is the main point. They've got a, a future star potentially. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, uh, if you talk about Atlanta Hawks and you're going to talk about their season this year, you obviously talk about Trey Young. Um, there's no way of really getting around it. Uh, I'm in a different camp. I quite like, well, thinking about it at the time, I wasn't much of a fan of the Clint Capella move for the Hawks. But now mm. I can kind of get on board with it a little bit more um, in terms of they want to go for defensive rating. Clint Capella is a great defender. I know, like, it, 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 he is a great defender. And um, that'll help the Hawks going forward. It's just, it's not going to be, it's going to be a weird one. You're going to have to see Trey Young step his game up because he's clearly the leader of that team, no matter what. But it's going to be interesting to see how next year they kick on now with him, with Clint. Because obviously Clint will come in and he's a, a bundle of experience and he's going to be expecting to win a lot of games. Like he'll come in, being on that Rockets team, obviously he'll know it's a different situation completely, but he's going to go in and want to win. He's not going to take another season, what, what, like 20 wins this year? I think 20 wins or 19 wins? Yeah, 20 wins. He's not going to want another season like that, Clint Capella. I think him, I like Cam Reddish a lot. And I think that they'll go. Oh, do I actually? They, I like they've that. got a couple of nice bench players that can score. Jeff Teague, I know he's, you're not the biggest fan of Jeff Teague, but he can come off Kevin the bench and some points. Yeah, Kevin Hurt, he's a great shooter. Um, they've got a few good players on the team. Um, 
I'll be amazed if they've not got a better record than 2049 or 2047, what they are this time next year. I yeah, think... I, I mean, do you want to go? Or shall I, or shall no, you I go, you go. All right. Yeah, there's a couple of things I'd say is one, on the Clint Capella trade, it's not, it, even though, that it, whether you agree with it or not, it's not terrible though. Like, like he's, they've got a good player, but it's that mm. trade off of maybe what you've done for John Collins' development. That's, what, that's the only thing I'd say. Him, so. yeah, yeah, that that's the trade off that you have to weigh up, I think. But what I would say about the Hawks is when you look at these teams who are towards the bottom of the standings, they're the one that stand out to me as you can see a project there that that they they have got some steps that they are working towards to get up those standings, whereas the others you just kind of look and it's a bit of a mess sometimes. Hmm. I was just going to say, I think I'll say for all these, all of these teams, bar maybe. I say Detroit, Cleveland, and Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte, I would say. Because all of those teams don't have guys who I can think, oh, they can be like a top-caliber NBA player. They don't have like a young player, basically. The mm-hmm. You know, Detroit Pistons have Blake Griffin, of course, and then the Cavs just all over the place. And Charlotte got quite a few good players, but they don't have anyone amazing. I think, guys, the teams like Atlanta, New York, Chicago... These could all be free agent destinations, I think. I think it's in the best interests of them to not tank because I think they want to puff up these younger guys a little bit because in case any player gets annoyed at his situation, you know, because a lot of players do these days, the star players anyway, you can trade them and maybe keep some of the better guys. Or Mm. a a free agent will think, oh, I want to play at this young core. I can elevate them a little bit. And these are all great cities, Atlanta, New York, Chicago. I mean, New York stands out, but, you know, these are major markets still. And I think Atlanta are in the best position to do that because of Trey Young. And I think we also have to mention that John Collins did miss quite a bit of time this season because he got suspended. And I really like John Collins. That's the main thing with the Clint Capella trade, as you mentioned, that I don't like. They didn't really give up anything much with Clint Capella. That's not the issue. I just think it doesn't help John Collins because I think he can play at the five with his, you know, pick and roll ability. It's more the, the rim protection. He's not at Clint's level. But he was it was clear that the uh, GM, Travis Schlink, was probably forced into that with a bit of pressure from the ownership. So I can't really say much. It's not a, a thing that I hate, but I, I hope they're better next season because they need to be, personally, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what was I going to say? There was there was a point I was going to make on the Hawks, but it's uh, it's eluding me now. It might come back to me um, throughout this podcast, but at the minute, yep, it's uh, it's gone. Um, so we'll move on from there. We'll go into thirteenth, and it's the Detroit Pistons. So we'll continue to run. So Louis, what do you think about the Detroit Pistons? Where do you think they're? What was their biggest takeaway this year? Uh, I mean, <laughs> they suck. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that they done. I mean, they got absolutely pennies for Andre Drummond, an all-star guy. I mean, the, it's not the best thing, but I'm glad that they didn't just try and put him together with Blake Griffin again because you can clearly see what the ceiling is. We've actually talked about the Detroit Pistons a couple times, more than a lot of people do, I think. And I think you could see the ceiling was a first-round bounce. So mm. they let go of Drummond. 
there is absolutely no way. I don't. Uh, Blake Griffin's a great player, don't get me wrong, but there's no way they're getting off that contract because currently he's in the third year of a five-year, $171 million contract. And he's turning 32 next season. Serious mm. injury resume. I don't think we need to go into that. I think you'll be very, very hard-pressed to find a team that has the cap space and the willing to put Blake Griffin into that. So they've just got to kind of ride that out and they'll probably be picking in not the high lottery. I know the lottery odds have evened out a little bit, but they'll have to make these good scouting missions, find sort of the raw guys in the later lottery picks that they can pick up. I like Sekou Dumboya, who's the who their lottery pick was this year. And mm. Christian Wood, he's a good player as well. But like I said, I this the future of this franchise is kind of planned for the next couple of years because they can't really get rid of Blake Griffin. Yeah, if I was to say my takeaways from the Pistons, it'd be two things. It'd be one, as you said, they need a rebuild, but they can't really start it yet because mm. because of the Blake Griffin contract. And then the other thing I'd say is maybe it's just a positive to take away, not so much from the Pistons, but from an individual player, is it was nice to see Derek Rose performing at, oh, at yeah, a high level again. True. You know, he was, a, he was a sixth man of the year candidate this year, averaging just over 18 points per game. It was nice to see him performing well again and being healthy as well. Yeah, and he, you could package potentially Derek Rose, really. like He could be a trade asset. I mean, I know there's the issues with his injuries and that. But, you know, I think a lot of guys could do a six-man like that. A lot of teams. Lakers should have been interested in him, definitely. Yeah, yeah. George, you, you'd like a bit of D-Rose. Oh, I'm a massive fan of Derek Rose. Who isn't, isn't really? No, yeah, I, I, I was about to say be, that he's very popular. Yeah. Um, I do agree. In terms of the Blake, the Blake Griffin situation, though, um, a couple of days ago he was spotted doing a couple of drills outside, playing a couple uh, bit of pickup basketball. Um, mm. So he, it, it does seem that this is a weird time in terms of the NBA as well. But for the players that were in long-term injuries, like you kind of and the massive, like you, your big players for your teams, kind of like your John Walls and Blake Griffins, like this, they're not realistically missing out on any basketball, but they're also obviously they're just gaining time from what there was going to be out for their lengthy injury with. And it seems as such that it's a bit of a weird one to then predict when the season's going to pick up again, if they're then going to be risked towards it. Yeah. If the season's picked up again and there's the, and if they play out the remaining of the regular season and if they'll, I'll just skip to the playoffs or whatever they do, would a, would a team then risk putting in a player to try and maybe, finish off them regular season games to get into the playoffs or would they play them in the playoffs if they got there and they didn't realistically plan on doing so because mm. the playoffs obviously would have been already started by now. So, um, but coming away from the fact, I think that it's hard to ignore now the fact that I know you used to mention that Chris Paul's contract, in your opinion, Louis was the worst contract in the NBA. We can all agree now that Blake Griffin most certainly has the worst contract. Oh, you still think no. John Wall? Oh, it's most definitely John Wall. We'll get oh, John I don't know. I'd take Blake Griffin, but um, oh, okay, no, you'll, you'll be astounded. You'll be astounded at the numbers I'm about to throw at you. <laughs> you'll be you'll like wince. It's cringeworthy stuff. I'm telling you, it is cringeworthy stuff. Yeah, I mean, okay. uh, I like Blake Griffin a bit more than John Wall as well. To be fair, as a player, yeah, I like Blake Griffin. But talking about teams, maybe trying to get him. If you're the I GM mean, of a team, are you really gonna no, are you really no, gonna chance no. that amount of money on someone who has historically always been very injury prone? You know, the, the answer is probably no for a lot of teams, if not most. 
Yeah, I'd agree with you there. If not all. <laughs> Just keep going all the way through. I think that's yeah. the bottom line with the pistol. But yeah, I, again, yeah, there's there's not really much, um, there's not really many positives again to take away in terms of the future as well at the minute for the Pistons. It's it's going to be, you're going to have to ride out that Blake Griffin salary, hope he makes mm-hmm. a miraculous recovery and can and can come back to himself. I mean, the, the the difference that he did make in his game in terms of how he's gotten older, he's transitioned very well. He is now an effective three-point shooter to an oh, extent. Oh, he was great last season. Yeah. It, like, yeah, to, to what fit, he's a great player. But it's just going to be coming over that injury now. And I hope personally he does it because I really like Blake Griffin. But, um, but yeah. I'm in agreement. Of course I'm in agreement. It'd, it'd be better for them to... I mean, they're not going to get rid of him, so they might as well have some good games with him, you know what I mean? Because there's not a lot of excitement in Detroit at the minute. And I remember the whole reason they wanted to trade for Griffin in the first place. They couldn't fill up the arena. And you'd want Griffin there more than not for that, I'd say. Yeah. Anyway, you okay. want to move on? We will indeed. Yeah. We'll go to. We'll, we'll move on to down to number twelve, and it's MSG, and it's uh, NYC, and Lewis Howard. What's your thoughts on the New York Knicks this season? Well, funnily enough, as we move through these bottom of the pack teams, one phrase keeps coming up, and it is the phrase "they suck." And I'm going to use it here again. The Knicks suck. They've sucked for a while, though. <laughs> you know, offensively, defensively, they were bad, real, really bad, both ways. But when, as you were saying before, when you look at the teams that are further down, the Knicks are one of those teams where you look at their roster and you think there's some stuff to work with there. Julius Randle's a good player. RJ Barrett, who maybe you could say the same thing along the lines of Darius Garland. He's been a bit underwhelming this season, but he's still got that raw talent that when you see him you think he could turn into a very good player Hmm. so i think uh, as the same with the hawks but not to not to the same extent because trey young has been an absolute star the knicks do have some pieces that could help them push on to guard the stands in the future but having said that this is the knicks we're talking about and so they're probably not going to do that and they're probably going to stay exactly where they are or get even worse well i mean they were better than last year yeah, yeah well, but it's not saying much, really. It's not it's, saying much, no. But it's progress. It I'll give you that. It's progress. <laughs> it was an improvement. Um, yeah. I mean, what they they signed Julius Randle on a three year deal, didn't they? That they announced yeah. the same day as yeah. Zion, didn't they? Which didn't really make sense to me. Um, yeah. RJ Barrett's obviously got four years off on his rookie deal. Um, the one that I was really, really disappointed with um, was Kevin Knox this year. I thought he'd kick I on a bit. It. I wanted to talk about him, you know. He was one of the guys I noted down because, you know, what? when we talk about these guys from the Knicks, I feel like Kevin Knox is the guy I think would be probably quite good on. If he was in, like, Memphis or somewhere, you know he'd be a better player than what he is because, mm. like, it's like a bad school, isn't it, New York? It's like mm. if, you, if you're... Well, at the moment, yeah. If you're sort of, like, impressionable or whatever and you go to a bad school, you're probably not going to you know, maximise your potential. And I feel that's what happened with Kevin Knotts because he's not like, he was young coming into the league and he's caught sort of like a raw prospect, but you can see some real like This guy can be a real player there. But he just like, obviously the develop, like they've got a new coach every season. They've replaced the front office this year as well. And the players are always changing around him. It's hard to get any of that development, any of that consistency with him. I think he would be better on a different team. And if I was another team, I'd be looking at him and saying, oh, maybe take a gamble on Kevin Knox. 
But um, you know, he hasn't kicked on what server six point four points, two point eight rebounds. It, it didn't yeah. help that he did get pushed out of the starting team as well. He barely no, started this year. But... Because, but that's because they put like guys like Marcus Morris there, and I don't understand why you'd put these veteran guys with these young. I know you want to win a bit more. But it doesn't make sense to me. You want to sort of elevate these guys and develop them a little bit more. And then you put in guys like Marcus Morris, who is a good player, but he takes so many shots. And that's not what you want to do. Surely you want the ball in RJ Barrett's hands. And surely you want Kevin Knox to be on the court with him. Mitchell Robinson, decent player, decent second year, I suppose. Uh, Mitchell Robinson for me is the biggest takeaway from this mm. year. But, oh, They're pretty, he's pretty good. He's a good rim protector, isn't he? He's unbelievably athletic as well. He is. And then I suppose I, mean, I completely forgot about Dennis Smith Jr. Frank Frank Nidakita. Yeah. And Frank Nidakita is not I mean he's like the right size. He's like, oh, he could be a lockdown defensive guard, but this guy will make a pass and someone on Twitter will make like a highlight reel. Like he'll only he'll do like <laughs> a, a pass or he'll like hit a layup. The guy is a complete no-show offensively that people get surprised when he does something. We saw him in, in the flesh, George, didn't we? He was. We, we have indeed in the absolute star-studded NBA London game of the Washington Wizards v the New York Knicks. Um, that and Luke Cornett, absolutely. him. They, they tore it up for the Knicks. Um, <laughs> but no, that was quite a dramatic game towards the ending anyway. It was, it was a buzzer beater. But, um, no, Not I mean good in that game either. No, he wasn't good. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. wasn't great in that game as well. But anyway, um, in terms of of the Knicks side of things, it, again, for me, I'd keep you, you Kevin Knox, kind of try and get him back inside of the team, get his rhythm going again. Mitchell Robinson's a big plus. Um, obviously, RJ Barrett's a big plus as well. I don't get that. I, I do agree um, in terms of some of the money that they spend. Like they, they gave Taj Gibson, a, did they give him a three-year deal last year or two-year deal? I can't no, remember what they gave him. Taj Gibson anything. No, I know, but they gave him like twelve million as well, and it's kind of—I I don't understand where where you you're spreading your money here. I know he's I obviously a cap space three because yeah, then people dump salaries. This is at the year, and it was the whole Porzingis trade as well. But it was like, oh. he's thirty-four, Taj Gibson, and like thirty-four, and there's some of the other trades that like Bobby Portis is an okay player, but thirty mil contract for two years—is that what the Knicks need? Oh, that Porzingis no. trade is dreadful. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna hold for a little while. Yeah, it it could have it could have looked like a it could have looked like an absolute cool. masterclass if they have ended up getting Kevin Durant, but then they didn't offer him the max. And if they'd have got Kevin Durant, they most likely would have got Kyrie Irving, but you know. It still wouldn't have looked like a masterclass. <laughs> I mean that's that's one of the other things you could say is takeaway points from the season. You could say that before the season's even started was the takeaway full stop and it didn't matter what they did this year, so No. I mean, it does matter what they do moving forward, though. And like we've said a yeah. couple of times, they just need to improve their image because their image is rock bottom. It's genuinely it the is, bottom yeah. of the league. Like, even Charlotte, who have run terribly and they're in a small market, I can guarantee you they're not as badly perceived among players as the New York Knicks. So mm. that's all they need. That's what they need to do. It's a hard job. New GM there, Leon Rose, and he's got his work cut out for him because in the, the first day of the job, what what happens, you know? Spike Lee's yeah. on first take complaining about how he's been taken out of Madison Square Garden. Like, come on. <laughs> it's just an everyday circus. Everyday circus. Yeah. You um so you mentioned that the Charlotte Hornets are run terribly, and obviously we all know their affiliations with Michael Jordan. So we'll move on to number eleven. The Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls. Um 
quite timely with the last dance just dropping. Um, so, Louis, what, what's your thoughts on the Bulls this season? Very disappointed because yeah. I thought this might be a team that could, you know, they've had a few years of rebuilding now behind them and they, they drafted where I thought I quite liked Kobe White mm-hmm. and I thought that maybe they'd be able to push for the postseason because that eighth seed in the East, it's not hard to get realistically. You can have a losing record and you can still get that eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Mm. So I thought maybe they'll challenge for that a little bit, but they haven't even come close, really. They're 11th in the Eastern Conference, like you said. And, you know, I, I, we've actually not talked about the more, like current day NBA for a little while. But so I said they've been making moves since the league's been suspended because they hired uh, Denver Nuggets GM Arturus Karnisovas. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> you were worried about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so they've hired him. He's obviously a very good scout. He scouted Nikola yeah. Jokic, who I don't think anyone just looking at him wouldn't be like, oh, that guy's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. But he did. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, also very good players. So they got him and they broke up that front office that had been leading the uh, balls for about 18 years now. It's Gar Foreman, John Paxson. Mm-hmm. And so that's a positive sign, I think, in the right direction. They realised that what they've done over the last couple of years isn't working. And another point, because we talked about them a bit after the All-Star game as well, was that Kobe White, although he disappointed for the majority of his rookie season, in that next month, the month of February, he proceeded to... Uh, this is post-All-Star break stats, actually. So he averaged 24.7 points on 40% from three and 46% overall from the field. Just under four rebounds, 4.3 assists. That was very, very good. And most of the time he was off the bench as well. So yeah. that's a positive to take. And I think that they have a real well-rounded team. I said this coming into the season. It's just there's something missing there, whether that's the coaching, whether Markkinen hasn't stepped up like he should have done, which I will say definitely hasn't, or whether you can argue that Zach Levine shouldn't be your main guy. I, I think, you know, all those points are up for debate. But I feel like they're moving in the right direction at least now. Yeah. For me, with the Bulls, I would echo what you said in that it was a very disappointing season. I think everyone thought they'd be doing a lot better than they did. There was high hopes for them. On the bright side, Zach Levine has still shown how good a player he is. Yeah, but, but... is he a winner? Is he? We've had a couple seasons now where he's been cooking. Oh yeah, currently obviously not the only thing he's won is the dunk contest. So, but <laughs> the moving aside from how disappointing their season has been, the the real point of interest for me with the Bulls is the fact that they really badly need a point guard, and that there's that raises real question marks. And I don't mean in a bad or a good way, just in a weighing it up and thinking about it about Kobe White because as you said he's had those games with them where he he doesn't look great but then he, you get flashes and as you said in that in that month with the stats you showed mm. where he looks like he could be a very good NBA player and you think yeah. oh they've got their point guard because you don't want Zach Levine is not a natural player so he was essentially playing the point for them in a lot of games and he's yeah, got he's... the ball in his hands a lot and the he's, offense just doesn't run well when, it, when he no. he gets his points, but the team doesn't run well there. No, it's a very good point, terrible. They're one of the worst teams in the in the league and offensively. And so, when you look at the team, you think, oh, they need a point guard. They need someone to run their offense. 
and they've got this guy in Kobe White who has who has those flashes and looks like he could be that guy. Although saying that the the assists, as you said, the average, you said, is yeah, a bit low. That's the thing. But you 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 can work on that. And so it's an interesting one because you think, do they need to go and get someone, or do they stick with Kobe White and and hope he you pushes seen Kobe on? Kobe White is the future point guard. Well, he doesn't strike me as a point guard. From what no, I've that's seen. a good point. That's a, it's, yeah, it, it is think... a good point, and that's that's what I was bringing up with with, with the assists is. Whilst I think he could be a very good player, in terms of fitting in this team, what they need, and more importantly, fitting with Levine, it's not the greatest. So I'm in two minds whether, say, I can't say hyperbolic, I was the GM of the Bulls, whether I would stick with him or I would try and get someone in to help out. It's, it's, they've got some decisions to make over there at the moment. And the last thing I'd say that you touched on is Markin and I think everyone thought he was going to kick on mm. and the past this past season was very disappointing. He didn't improve at all. I still think he could be a good player, but the, t- the time's ticking for him now. He's he's still he's not old obviously, but you want to see season. that progression. Yeah. Yeah, and and at the moment I don't think we're seeing it. But I, I still have I still think he could be a great player as well. Um, I mean, in terms of this season, you can take away the fact that Zach Levine has gotten better yet again. He's gotten better every single year he's been in the league, no matter how marginally you want to put it in. Um, I think, what, he's 24, 25? So he's got another couple of years where he's going to hit his prime and he's going to hit his peak. So you're going to kind of, if, you, if you're looking down and you're sitting in the balls, he's on your books till 21, 21, 22. And you're like, okay, we want Zach Levine and we want to have some pieces around him when he hits that prime. You're looking at the book for them right now. I mean, that for me, that's the only takeaway from the balls this year is Zach Levine. There's no other real positives. Like Laurie Markkinen, as we said, did not kick on whatsoever. And I'm not really interested in the rest of the squad. Otto Porter is coming in from the trade that they don't with. Uh, well, yeah. Regardless, I mean, main main takeaways will just be that Zach Levine's kicked on this year for them again. They had their shines of like every now and then where you can think, oh, okay, yeah, this player can do this and this player can do that. But realistically speaking, your main your main threat, the one that you're going to talk about, is Zach Levine here. In terms of moving forward, Otto Porter has a player option next year, which is twenty eight and a half million, which he's going to take. Let's just not kid ourselves here. Mm-hmm. That was at one stage an argument of the worst contract in the league anyway. Um, so he'll take that up. And unless a sheer miracle occurs when he actually plays like a $28.5 million a year player, he won't be up. I'll be very amazed if he's staying with the Bulls next year the in 2021-22. So you'll get into that stage. And the only player I believe on the Chicago Bulls books that's guaranteed for his money is Zach Levine in 21-22. I think they might have a couple of bench players guaranteed as well. I think Laurie, I don't even think Laurie Markkinen's guaranteed for that year. So they've got a lot to do for that. So in terms of that, just f- for me now, Zach Levine's young enough that obviously he's going to want to win anyway, but he's not going to be incredibly impatient to be like, I want to win right now. I think all NBA players will be, but he'll understand that if the Bulls will plan for 21-22 to get players around him, if he can improve as well, I think that's what they're going to be looking at for me. I wouldn't look to build around Zach Levine. That I wouldn't. That not, I wouldn't have that in my. He's like a. If it's we're not talking about like a championship not, contender. Yeah, I'm he's not like a third about, best at max. I'm not talking about Zach Levine here in the same respect as I would be talking about the Atlanta Hawks building around Trey Young. Yeah, I know he's what a, you mean. He's a very good player, and he's a and he could be a starting player for you. Depend. It's when you're going to go on a championship run. 
then you can just talk different situations. But right now, what were the balls? Were they 22, was it? Sure I don't have the record on. 22 wins, yeah. 22 wins, 43 losses. Like, if you're going to gradually move forward, I think come 21, 22, you can have a couple of good... You can try and get a max contract player in there alongside Zach Levine. He's a number two guy, is what I see. But he's a very yeah. good number two guy. I think he's a number three. I think he's a number three. I don't think he's a number two. Personally, anyway. I, I just have that same feeling about him as like Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns to an extent. Just a guy on paper puts up nice stats, but when it comes to leading wins, he can't do it. And that's fine. There's not a lot of players in the league that can do that. But I, I, I don't, I, I'm not too sure what to do about him because he's not paid a massive amount and I, I wouldn't let him go, but I wouldn't look to seek for a max extension for Zach Levine. That's my personal opinion. It's fair enough. Um, mm. But I think that's enough time on the, uh, yeah, on the Chicago Bulls. I mean, obviously there's the, the last dance going around right now with... Um, taking the deep dive onto, onto into Michael Jordan's career. Um, and speaking of and his after career, obviously now owns who is in number 10, Charlotte Hornets. Um, Lewis, what's your thoughts and key takeaways from the Hornets this year? In terms of what I thought they'd be like at the start of the year, or the start of the season, sorry, to, to what they actually turned out to be, I don't think it was too bad. <laughs> I, I think there was some positives to take away. Overall, as Louis alluded to before, in terms of building around those like star players and thinking of how you can push on to the to the top positions in the future, you'd take teams like Atlanta with Trey Young and maybe if if you think Zach Levine could be that player which we just discussed, maybe you'd pick them as well. But just for now, Hornets they're not amazing, but they're not terrible either. Like Devontae Graham had a good year. Terry Rozier had a good year. So it's it's hard to feel strongly any way about them, but just they're, they're all right. Yeah. I mean, they need to get that star in the yeah. draft. But I like, like you said, Devontae Graham. I, I will admit I don't like Terry Rozier, but he's been quite good this season. PJ Washington as well. They drafted him this year as well. Yeah, that's okay. true. I, I like Miles Bridges. He's never really put on a consistent show in the NBA, but I quite like him. So I I don't really have... They're drafting quite well. When you look at that, they've, they've drafted quite well over the last couple of years. And that's something that Michael Jordan and whoever was GM in the, the Hornets at the time haven't done over the last couple of seasons. So they just got to keep doing that. Um, keep that cap space open, I think, because they, they've kind of cap themselves up a little bit. I don't really understand what they'd done last year where they didn't they refused to trade Kemba. They didn't offer him the super max. They didn't even offer him the max. And then they were like, all right, we'll give Terry Rogier loads of money. It didn't particularly make a lot of sense to me. So this season just keep that cap space open and then you know keep drafting well. See where you get to. The only way is up for them because they're, they're the worst historically the worst franchise in the NBA. Um Again, yeah, the, it's for me, the, the sorry, I was about to say the Wizards, the Charlotte Hornets, they were a lot better than 
I thought they were going to be this year. Um, I think yeah. if we go into if you, if you, if you scale it back and you go when we was doing our preseason predictions of what we thought the Hornets are going to be, I would have definitely said the under. Um, mm. So they they kind of came out there and they surprised me um, in terms of what they did. From uh, a moving forward point of view, again they've got their largest sale contract with Nicholas Batum. He's got a player option in 2021, 27 million, which he'll take. Terry Rogier is locked up until 2022. On, yeah. I think it's a what? 20 million a year? Yeah, like 57 yeah, million contract. That, that, that was done as a part of a signing trade deal anyway. Um, but it is too much money for Terry Rogier. But I mean, come the final year of his contract, they've got so much room. Even next year, they're, they're at 80 mil. So they've got loads of room in cap space. So if anything does pop up, they are ready to acquire, which cannot be said for the other teams that we've already spoken about realistically. Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. That's good. So if anything does come up, they, they have more than enough room to make a deal to sign someone. Whether or not anything will happen like that is you're leaving it in the lurches there. But yeah, I agree with you as well in terms of how they've drafted and, and the players that they've picked on. Um, I like Miles Bridges as well. Um, Devontae Graham, um, uh, yeah. tiny. Much, I'll say he's a bit tiny. Much. Yeah, he's not going to set the world on fire. I mean, the the height issue isn't really... The height isn't a thing for me, as many players have proven in this league, that you don't... Nowadays, you do not have to be a tall player to succeed in the NBA. Um, but it's just... He doesn't really scream it out to me. Miles um, yeah, Bridges, he's got a bit about saying about him. Um, and I think that's really it for the Hornets. There's nothing really else yeah. to yeah. say. Um, so we'll kick it on down. So we'll move into number nine. And we will talk about the damn Washington Wizards. We will indeed. Um, Louis, what is it? I mean, kicking at ninth, decent season for the Wizards now? <laughs> um, um, it's a decent season for Bradley Bill as well. So yeah. um, <laughs> I think the main thing I would take away from the Washington Wizards season is that Bradley Bill is probably one of the best scorers in the NBA game. Um, mm. He's averaging 30 points a game pretty efficiently given the high volume of shots he's taking on that team. One of the best pick and roll ball handlers in the league. And <laughs> he's a pretty good playmaker now. He wasn't that when he came into the league. And so that's an interesting development, given that he's had the ball in his hands the entire time John Wall has been injured. Yeah, and- I, I was just going to say, sorry, I didn't, I, I didn't laugh at your comments in terms of Bradley Bill being <laughs> one of the best scorers in the league. What I did laugh as as I flicked through to the next part of my uh, on my notes list and actually did see the contract earnings on this Wizards team. So, yep. <laughs> with <And> John that, <laughs> that was going to be my next point because they, yeah. the, the ceiling of that team is, is basically capped out when you've got a guy who's in the first oh, year my. of his four-year $171 million contract He's not quite well. I mean, we don't know what he's going to look like when he comes out of that injury because, you know, he's such a player predicated on his athletic ability, his speed. I don't know how he's going to look after that those series of injuries. I mean, I can, I've seen videos of him. He's still dunk, but whether, the, you know, he can handle the physicality of a game, finish through contact. Hey, John Wall's a great player before he got injured. I know he gets a lot of slander, but, you know, and, but they're, Ceiling, even with Bradley Beal and John Wall at full strength, was probably about eighth, seventh seed, get knocked out in the first round. So they're in NBA purgatory is what I would say. Yeah, I'd agree that their main issue is you look at their ceiling and you think low it, low playoff seeding is the max for them. Hmm. 
So they'll have to decide amongst themselves in the front office whether they want to change it up and try and aim a bit higher than that. They probably, I'd assume they probably would at some point in the future. But moving away from that, obviously Bradley Bill, as you said, was special this year. Average over 30 points a game. He was fantastic. Looking at the young, one of the young players on their team, Rui Hachimura, he wasn't too bad this year. I think, I think he showed okay. enough promise. Yeah, he showed enough promise for people to think he could, he could develop to be a good player. So that's that's another small positive from them. But apart from that, yeah. I think the main takeaway is that John Wall contract and what their ceiling is. And at the moment, as you said, they're in a bit of NBA purgatory and. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the coming years to revamp their team, or if they just stick with it. Mm. It, it, it will all depend on what type of John Wall we see when he's thirty years old and coming off. Yeah, of Achilles and a was it an ACL as well, something like that. Yeah, yeah what's even more mad is they, I think they it was they an ACL first, then Achilles. I he didn't be dropping yeah, a dinner tray. Yeah, he him. fell down the stairs. Unfortunate um, that was. Very unfortunate, but yeah, um, yeah that 46.8 mil in 2022 23 that's <laughs> a tricky life, right there, isn't it? With yeah. no guarantee for 122 million dollars. Um, what even what's going to hurt even more to the kind of wizard's office is they used the Larry Bird rule to sign him for an extra year as well, which gave him that absolute insane amount of money. Um, mm. 46.8 mil, Jesus. That's I mean, insane. It is insane. Uh, it's definitely the worst. Co- we're talking, it's definitely the worst. Yeah, contract. no, you, yeah, you've took the yeah, cat. Right. It is the worst contract, but it, like I said, he is a good player. He was a good player. I don't know how he's going to look after that injury. But he he was, you know, they were the ape seed a couple seasons ago. Toronto were the first seed. You know, that was when they had DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. And at that time, anyway, John Wall was comfortably the best player on that court. And, mm. you know, it's sad that his career will probably go to the wayside a little bit because of those injuries. And, you know, with social media as well, he's probably the first victim of being this type of player with injuries in the social media era. So yeah. it's sad to see, but it, he's kind of blocking everything that they can do at the minute. There's no magic being created at the Washington Wizards, oh. shall we speak, at the minute. And... Uh, George, that gives you the perfect segue. Yeah, he set you up. <laughs> you've you've teed me up, so we can we can move it on down into the playoff seedings now in terms of the Eastern Conference. And Louis <laughs> slid it in for the Orlando Magic here. So go on, Louis. You roll with the Orlando Magic. What what's the key takeaway for them this year? Oh, that's, uh, this is the most boring team I had to do notes <laughs> on. I don't know about you two. Just like I have nothing interesting to say because I've got a couple of things. If you oh, want, okay, you, you go then because uh, All right. I don't have anything. First off, looking at the Orlando Magic, the what the the point that came into my head was Aaron Gordon got robbed in the dunk contest. Just want to get that in there first. Mm, sad <laughs> he, he should have won. That, that, he pulled off some unbelievable dunks. Wasn't as impressed with the Taco Fall dunk as some other people, but overall he still should have won. Not trying to hate on. Uh, Derrick Jones Jr. He was great as well. Well, Dwayne Wade at that now. Yeah. Well, maybe a bit hate on Dwayne Wade for some of those voting. <laughs> but regardless, the the other thing I was going to say that was more of a jokey one is my biggest takeaway from the Magic and how they play is they 
Oh, I was surprised when I looked. They're not actually the slowest paced team in the league. But when I watched them, my God, they are a slow paced team. They they really need some help on offense. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do for that. Marco Fultz didn't look too bad playing this year, so maybe that's a tiny positive to take. But whether he's the answer, I don't know. On the other side of things, though, they were a sneaky good defensive team this year. They were they were top ten defensive rating. Yeah, they got those so. big bodies, didn't they? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, Aaron Golden, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, it, it's not bad, I like but Isaac. yeah, so do I. He's a very good defensive player. But what comes with that is them being unbelievably slow, and they really do need some help on offense to get things going. So that they would be my takeaways for the Magic. Otherwise, it's a bit of a meh season yeah. like they got the eighth seed you kind of expected the magic to get that at the start of the year so i mean uh you mentioned darren golden about the dunk contest but i feel like he's not really being fully utilized in the orlando magic for what he could mm. be because he's a power forward who's a bit smaller but he's so so quick and athletic and i think yeah. in his natural position he'd be a lot better but he has to play small forward because you know you've got vucevic you've got jonathan isaac to fit in my Bamba yeah. maybe he didn't play a lot this season, I know, but so mm. he's not being fully utilized. And I feel like maybe the Orlando Magic, if they wanted to speed up their offense, get a guard, they could yeah, bank that's on people being interested on an Aaron Golden. And I think Aaron Golden would probably be interested in leaving there if given yeah. the option. That, that's what that I see for. happening with yeah, I don't Orlando know who is them for. probably moving Aaron Golden for a guard. As you said, yeah, I don't know. That's that's up to them to decide. But yeah. I would add as well onto what I said. Talking about Vucevic, although the Magic season was a bit meh, Vucevic did have another very good year, so I tell you, props to him. Yeah, three-point shot's not been good, though, like it was last year. Mm, yeah. 32% this year, if it was like 36 last year. I mean, it was, that was the whole thing last year, Vucevic, oh, he's become a stretch five. That makes the Magic a bit more fluid offensively. Now he can't do that. I think that's another thing as well to mention. Yeah, still, still almost average 20 and 11, yeah, no. though, so... Yeah, he yeah. had a good year, but as you said, maybe that's a good good summary of or summarization of how their offense has been going this year, which is not great. So yeah, George, well, terrible, but not. Great. I mean, if we're going off of, I, I can see Aaron Gordon being. I mean, when we were talking about the trade deadline at the, at the time, there was always rumours that either one of Vucevic or Gordon could be traded anyway. Um, Vucevic guaranteed till twenty two, twenty three. Whereas Gordon's traded guaranteed mm. till twenty one, twenty two. Um, but in terms of of that, I'll be surprised if Gordon isn't the one that's traded out of the two. Yeah. Um, who's to say both won't get traded? But it's more of that I think Vucevic is more solidified in that team and considering that the next centre that's off the bench is Mobamba, I don't really think that he's that threatened with his starting position right now. Um, yeah, I mean, currently Vucevic is the better player as well. Yeah. Uh, well, than Mobamba. No, I'm no, Ow. <laughs> of course, the better player than Mobamba. That's another point if you want to bring that up. I know he didn't play much, but Mobamba hasn't done great in his... Uh... No, he hasn't. I mean, I wasn't really going to talk much about my barber because he's not really kicked on, but that's also because he doesn't really, he's not really good. It's the issue with the centers that if you're a rookie and there's someone that's established and yeah, he's not getting the opportunity, which is why he's really going to get the opportunity for it. He's got a team option on the 22 season, but um, so I'm not going to lambast him too much about it. No, my, um, I think my key takeaway 
for the magic would be that potentially they don't need that other guard because you know Markel Fultz this year. I've got to say I was quite impressed with Markel Fultz this year. Didn't see. I know he didn't have an unbelievable season, but there was definitely highlights for for Markel Fultz this year in terms of one just starting games. Man started fifty nine. Never like he's actually got over it and he he's playing some regular basketball. He looked like he had found a little bit of faith in his jumper again. Actually attempting three point shots in games, attempted almost two a game. I think it's in terms of the the, the trade for him and uh, how he's played. I think it's a it's a big positive for the for the. Magic. Yeah, I didn't so think it was. Pulse, get there. It's I don't think anyone point. thought it was a bad trade to have. It was a pretty low risk and potentially high reward. So. Why, hmm. why not go for it? But even with him in the team, they just play so slowly. Is that's my main thing. Uh, I just think they need someone that can get their team going. It I'm might, not, and maybe a trade oh. to get rid of one of the one of the two big big players in the team might help that. I don't know, but I think they need I mean, to sort it out. Michael Fox literally has a nickname of Quick Wash. Like the man isn't slow. It's I think it's more of the, the way. Well, that it's the not team that plays. he's not slow. It's the bloody yeah. team, the way the team yeah. plays. Yeah, that's what I mean. It starts with a with a point. So. Um, but I mean, apart from that, realistically, there's again nothing much to me. The, the only, the, literally, the 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 main memory I have of the Orlando Magic is still when they was in the playoffs and they played against Toronto in the first game, and DJ Augustine hit a three mm-hmm. and they won the game. That's the last, yeah, yeah that, that's the last thing I remember of a, of a Magic game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, they've got some freedom coming up to them in the 21 season, but next year they've got pretty much everything guaranteed. Evan Fournier is getting paid. Terrence Ross, Terrence Ross is on the contract. He's on a big contract. He's on a big contract for Terence Ross. That surprised me when I was looking at all of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not really much to say. Eighth place, it's a decent finish, but they're going to get bounced by the Bucks. So, um, so we'll move up seventh and um, taking it down to Brooklyn Town. Um, seventh position, thirty wins this season. Louis, what are your thoughts on this one? Not Louis, actually. I'll start. You, you had the magic, Lewis. What are yeah. your thoughts? On that? To be fair, I did take over once. You did take over. The <laughs> but I'll, I'll start with the Nets. It's fine. My main takeaway, I think everyone's main takeaway, is just Spencer looking at the season and thinking the Nets <laughs> are going to be elite next season. They are going to be elite. They have some great players in Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert who have played really well this year. How, how they're going to fit together once the two stars come in, I'm not sure. Spencer well, Dinwiddie. Oh, this team. Yeah, well, yeah. When, when Kyrie and KD come in, you know, hoping KD's back to close to how good he was, arguably the best player in the league before he got injured. If that team can gel together, which it might not because it's already had its issues, they will be challenging for those top spots uh, and challenging for potentially minimum. You'd say minimum. Eastern Conference Finals appearance if they can get it together. It's a very exciting time to be a Brooklyn Nets fan at the moment, I think. Mm. I mean, I think if you took the two best players from every single team in the league, you'd probably say that the Brooklyn Nets have either the best or the second best, depending on your perspective, you know. And Davis and yeah, yeah, I'd put them them second as well. 100%. Definitely not above them. Maybe maybe even the third. No, I'd probably put them above Kawhi and Paul. George. I'd put them above Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. I think. Cause, just because Kyrie, I think. Ka- well, Kyrie, Kyrie over Paul yeah. George, maybe. But I'd, I'd, yeah. if KD's back to his best, I'd take KD over Kawhi. Still, no disrespect on Kawhi. Mm, okay. No, you, no, you, they'd be the second best, third best, first best, whatever. That, yeah. that 
guarantees them, I think, at least, like you said, minimum Eastern Conference Finals, I'd expect from the Brooklyn Nets next year. And to be quite frank, I'd expect them to come out of the East next year with, with their talent. I think it surpasses everyone else in the East. Mm. Um, it is just dependent on whether they can get together mentally because yeah. we've seen, like you said, there have been issues this season where more so Kyrie than KD because KD hasn't played a single game, but Kyrie did play a couple games. He did cook. They didn't win. There's a couple comments in the media. We've talked about them in this podcast. I think we've all said our piece on what we think Kyrie is as a leader. Yeah. Um, like George said a couple times, you just get the best players and you put them together, and you probably it'll probably work. And you can't really get much better than Kyrie and KD. So yeah, I I, I go back and forth on liking this team and not liking this team as much. But when you just look at it on a pure talent standpoint, you can't argue with their credentials. You just can't. Yeah. I like Karis Levert a lot more so than yeah, so really, personally. Oh, I'm not having that one. Um, I had to add that spice in just to get George. Oof. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty, well, I'm not dull on the on the Brooklyn Nets, but it's because there's not really much, there's no real spicy takes. I mean, it's kind of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm expecting next year when Kevin Durant is back to full fitness that the team are going to, well, when Kyrie Irving is back to full fitness, um, that the team's going to be lighting it up, really. I'm not having the, I, I don't buy into the whole, Oh, what's he going to be like when he's come back from injury? Like the John Wall stuff. This is Kevin Durant. It's going to be different, mm. but um, in terms of what I'm expecting, yeah, it would be it would be conference finals realistically. And you're talking about Kevin Durant, and you're talking about who gets argued as the best player in the NBA, and Kyrie Irving, um, which it speaks volumes that you're putting him as the second player on the team anyway. Um, I'm expecting conference finals. And then they've got nice pieces around them. Dinwiddie's there for another two years and then he's got a player option in the 22 season. Um, as Kevin Durant does for the 23 season of a 42 and a half mil when he's 35. I'm going to have a guess and think he's going to take that one. Um, mm. And apart from that, uh, they, they're going to have some room. If, if it doesn't work for them next year, they do have some room to kind of go out and, and some of them, there's, there's some player options and team options there that if it doesn't work, they can kind of, they can chop and change. They've got some tradable assets like, Joe Harris will be a tradable asset. The only one that isn't there and was probably a kind of a trade-on deal with getting these two is DeAndre Jordan's contract, which is pretty crap. Um, but apart yeah. from that, it's, yeah, it's a very good... Oh, uh, yeah, they should just play Jarrett Allen. I don't know why they... Yeah, to be fair, even Jarrett Allen, I was a bit disappointed. If I was going to say I was disappointed well. with anyone in the Nets, it would be him I'd be disappointed with this year. I was as well, but he should just be given consistent minutes at this stage because they wasn't yeah. going to win anything this year. Mm. And they're just playing this guy who's literally only there because he's mates with the other two. Yeah, uh, I do think it's beneficial, Jarrett Allen, being in this team of all these people that can score so well because it takes the pressure off him and he can just do what he does best. Rim protecting, basically. Yeah. James at the rim. <laughs> yeah. Along, something along those lines. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so now with a heavy heart, we move on to number six. And surprisingly, it's the Philadelphia 76ers. Um yeah. I don't really want to talk about this one, so you know, Louis, what, what thoughts <laughs> on being as a takeaway yeah, season? Can I mean, <laughs> we, we say, George, what is there left to say about the Philadelphia 76ers? <laughs> we have, <laughs> we, we have just covered them to... literally every podcast. I'll, I'll sum up my feelings in a in a couple sentences. Yeah, I, I don't like how Elton Brand has put together so many poorly constructed teams. I don't yeah. like how Brett Brown 
he couldn't figure out he had to run pick and roll for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler when he had them. He certainly can't figure out how to use Jalen Bede and Ben Simmons together. Ultimately, though, it comes down to the fact that I don't really like the fit of Jalen Bede and Ben Simmons. We've seen both struggle in big playoff series where the other team has had time to, you know, plan to stop them. Mm. And they can stop them because of the clear issues that one have with playing the other. You know, Jalen Bede's a fantastic post player. But when you've got a guy, Ben Simmons, just standing in a dunker spot, it makes it easier to double them. And so there's that. But I, I've told you to that I had a juicy trade idea. Okay, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if yeah. you remember. And you said save it for a pod. So I'm saving it for this pod. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my juicy trade idea. Okay, so Ben Simmons, he obviously signed a max extension going into this season. Mm-hmm. Um, as he should have done, as the Philadelphia 76 should have offered him. And so that kicks in next season. That's five years, and that's $169 million. Yeah. There's another guy who signed a similar level of extension, actually, at a similar time. And that mm-hmm. was a guy I've already talked about, and that's Bradley Beal. Now, you could basically swap the two salaries straight up for one another. And I'll tell you why this works for both teams. For the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. you get one of the best scorers in the league, I've said. You get that spacing. So when Jalen Bede does go in the post, and he is literally the best post player in the game. We rag on them Bede a lot, I should say that. He can, you know, pass out the double to Bradley Bill, who will knock down the shot. And yeah. he won't get doubled as easily because he won't be in the dunker spot. Now, with Ben Simmons, we've seen in the month of January this year, he averaged about, you know, 20 points, about nine assists, seven rebounds. It was very impressive. And it's not like we've seen for him in a couple years, basically. And it's very clear he needs the team to be built around him. Just like the team in Milwaukee is built around Giannis. And I don't think he will reach the same level of scoring heights that Giannis does. But he's a better playmaker by far. So Washington then gets a bit of direction. I know they'll have John Wall still lurking over but they can build around Ben Simmons somewhat. And then when John Wall's finished, maybe in the final year of his contract, they somehow shift him. I don't know. But they can build around Ben Simmons. And then Philadelphia 76, as they have Bradley Bill, they can maximise Jalen Bede's window. What do you two think yeah. about that idea? I don't know how plausible that is, purely because... Do you think, do you think that trade makes sense both ways? I I think it fully does. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean John Wall and Ben Simmons. That's a. I'll just long off John Wall. Just send. Yeah, stay that, home. that is what you'd have to do. So uh, just turn stay home or be, something. It'd definitely be a long term thing for the Wizards if they did it. But <laughs> from my, yeah, I'm I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about that. From from my perspective, I was listening to Louis speak about a juicy trade. <laughs> And I was expecting to be served a nice, lovely, juicy mango. That's what I wanted right there. Yeah. What I've actually got is a packet of dry mango. Yeah. Dry mango. I prefer well, dry you mango. Like, you don't like the Ben Simmons thing then? No. If you, uh, I've said this, and I've, uh, and again, Louis, we, we have spoken about Do you about not like it for Ben Simmons, in, or do you no, not no, like no, it for the no, Washington no, Wizards? This is episode 31 of the Swingman podcast, and we have pretty much spoken about the 76ers in 31 episodes of the yeah, Swingman Yeah, it's something close to that. And then general fact is, we talk all the time, Louis, and you know my thoughts on the 76ers. They don't trade Embiid and Simmons. You keep both. But if you have to trade one, you trade Embiid. Not just because of... Oh, okay. That's what you're going for, then. You keep... You, 
Ben Simmons is NFS. He is not for sale. He is untradeable, right? You don't get rid of him. My issues, moving on from that ridiculous trade, my issues with <laughs> 76ers this season were, and I've said this again in pr- pretty much 31 episodes of the Swing Run podcast, Tobias Harris's contract is absolutely terrible. He's on 108 well, mil to 20. That's the thing. You can't trade Tobias Harris and you can't you trade can't out Holford. What's the movie? You're just going to continue going with Ben Simmons and Jalen Bede. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can definitely trade Al Holford. No, you can't. He's a reason you cannot. Louis, mate, there Actually, are a lot no, of you things. can't. He's too old. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, Have a look at that contract. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> difficult. He's, he's getting on a bit. Situations right now. I know he's 33. He's going to be on 26 and a half mil when he's 34, uh, 36, 37. Oh, but nah, God. It, yeah, the contract's bad, but I'm telling you now, you can easily shift Al Holford in this. No, state. you couldn't. I it's promise you, out. you could not. There is well, not a single. If there's a GM stupid enough to take Al Holford, they should be sacked. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, regardless of this, the issue with the 76ers this year all came down to the basis of they signed Al Holford to play him at the four, but he's never played the four in his life. Facts, right? Tobias Harris is on a dumb contract. Jimmy Butler, I'm not going to get into again because I think even if they offered him the money, which I don't think they realistically did, he was going to leave anyway. Because why would you say, if you go and play on Miami anyway? Um, but this all being said, the Sixers' season wasn't that bad. And I know that that's a dramatic that statement in the eyes of it. Absolutely No, but it wasn't that bad. And I'll absolutely false. And I'll explain why. Their home record was mammoth, okay? When it comes to the playoff time, we all know it'll step up a little notch. And that's when the little that's when the best players really kick on. Ben Simmons and Embiid, I know you go, look at them and what they did in Toronto. It's a bit different, right? Because when they would have come into that home record, all they needed to do was steal an away win. A one road win. See, that's the problem though. That's who, was the the best, problem. who was the best player on the team against that Toronto team, Josh? Right, okay. We're, we're, look, look. <laughs> Regardless of all of this, right? They've got that. And as much as I'll hate on Harrison Holford, they've also got some nice little white, like Matisse Thibel, great player. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a bit strong, mate. Great player, he's decent. I well, like no, him. In terms, of, in terms of as a first round pick and as a defensive player, he's very good. Right? I like him. Great is a stretch. Josh Richardson, great player. Great. Yeah, I like Josh Richardson. <laughs> <all right>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're great is too much for both of these, but Josh Richardson is closer to it. Josh Richardson's a nice little asset, right? Yeah, I like Josh Richardson. The way that it's being reported in the media and people will talk about the 76ers, it would be described as if they went bloody 20 and 40, right? At the minute uh, they were, right? And they were kind of 12, right? Let's be honest here and let's speak straight facts. Well, would you genu- are you genuinely expecting a first round exit from the from the 76ers this year? Uh if they were staying sixth, yes, hundred percent. You think Boston take them out? They'd come up yeah. against Boston. We said this who, earlier who when we've done our like predictions. Very good team. Yeah, we've we done on. our predictions. We're, we're gonna, we're, uh, we more don't... than that, their away record is absolutely crap. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does because... matter when you're the sixth seed and the other team's got the home advantage. Of course it matters. Because I'm going to school you and I'm going to move on. The fact that they've got Al Horford and Bede, I don't you're not care. I haven't said my bit on the 76ers, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Could not handle Embiid and a switch of Horford, whereas Jason Tatum can get locked up by Ben Simmons. Well, that that's is a... one factor. That's one they factor. They can't lock up Kemba. Yeah. Well, he just put uh, and then slide Josh Richardson in at the three to deal with Tate. Not an issue. Can I get into Can I get into what I was going to say about the 76ers? Because I haven't asked my guy yet. He has it, actually. Right. So, if I was to sum up the 76ers, I would say 
team issues persist and inconsistencies persist. That they're, they're the main takeaways I have. They have it is mind boggling that they have an absolutely mammoth home record, and their away record is absolutely abysmal. I don't know how they've done that. I get the advantages of home versus away, but it's incredible the disparity. And then, as you said, Al Holford, they brought him in. People thought he was going to play the four without everyone actually realising he can't. And he has never played there. The issues with Embiidens and Simmons are still there. They're both very inconsistent. They're still fun and hard to get them to play together. They, they had their great moments, Ben Simmons had a bit more of a prolonged great moments, but they were still both wildly inconsistent. As shown, the Sixers in general wildly inconsistent with a home and away record. And for me, at this point, to answer what some of you lot said, personally, I think, I still think Embiid's the better player, but looking at the the situation they've got right now with the contracts they have, I think maybe it might make a bit more sense if you were going to trade one of them to probably trade Embiid than Simmons because you could slot Hallford in and it, and it and it might work a bit better. Oh. Talking about the Bill thing, I touched on it before, but in terms of the Sixers, yes, that might solve a bit of the issues that Simmons and Embiid had, but you do lose a lot of playmaking with that. You know, no. that Bradley Bill isn't anywhere near the passer Ben Simmons is. I know he is, it's not, it's but not, not you get course. different playmaking opportunities with yeah. a guy who can knock down shots like that. My my thing now is I look at what they do with Al Holford. I look at them not being able to get Simmons and Embiid to work because looking at these players and how good they are, they should not be the sixth seed. They should be higher than that. And I think we all thought they'd be higher than that at the start of the year. Now, now when I see that, those situations... I, my eye goes from instead looking at Embiid and Simmons and why, and why they're not working and uh, and the issues they have. And personally, I start look, to look further up and I look at Brett Brown and I look at Elton Brown and I think a lot of questions have to start being asked about them too because it th- this is simply not good enough. No. I don't think yeah, Brett I think Brown some of the decisions there. are questionable. The team isn't playing. Uh, they're not. As you said, they're not absolutely terrible. They're six seed. They're still they're still in the playoffs, but it's it's nowhere near what they should be doing with that team. So, no, I, I, I think questions have to start being asked about them too. Yeah, I think we we need to move on for the Philadelphia seventy sixers now. With uh, <laughs> we have run them lots of death. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Sorry Ben. Sorry Joel. But you're just yeah. so easy to bully. Uh, they're both great players though they are both great players and struggles yeah. play together which is unfortunate I, I, I will argue for another five hours on the 76er season but yeah, we're not exactly. going to move on to instead the fifth place team in the Eastern Conference um, which is the Indiana Pacers um, so Louis you start with the Indiana Pacers I'll start with the Sixers get Lewis a bit of Indiana all right, all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> All of this back and forth, um, you're, really, you're really not doing a good I've got a lot to say about the Pacers, but I'll give Lewis the, the first uh, shot. Crack of the whip. Go on, Lewis. Of course. All right, well, I, I, I'll say a little bit before you get into it, because I didn't have a ton to say. The main, the main thing for me with the Pacers, I still have unanswered questions with them in terms of when I saw them play without Oladipo, I thought, Oh, when he gets in, these lot could be 
a sneaky decent team. Like they could cause the ones right at the top. They could cause them some trouble. You know, Sabonis had a breakout year, hmm. averaging eighteen and a half points, nearly twelve and a half rebounds, and five assists as well, which is quite a lot. Yeah, second most for a centre in the league. Yeah, so he he was playing really well. Brogdon was playing well. Miles Turner still was. Yep, TJ Warren. And so when I was looking at it, I thought, oh, when Oladipo gets back, as I said, these are could be really good. But he has come back, but I I still don't think we saw the finished product yet. And so I still have a lot of question marks over this team, but it's more excitement in how, what do I think they could be? Mm. They, they can go to another gear if Oladipo gets to the level he was at before the injury and they mesh together well as a team. Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of things I wanted to mention. Sabonis did have a break. Like they gambled with him at the start of the season because I think, if you remember correctly, they were there were trade talks with DeMontis Sabonis and then mm. they just gambled. They went full, full in on him, signed him to a four-year, 74 million deal. And mm. he's really playing well this season. I mean, not just the scoring, the rebounding, the assisting, like you said, as well as a very good passer, but he's also a great screener. He'll do a lot of the dirty work. He's not a great defender as of yet, but that's a development that can come. I think what, there's also the issues of just bringing in a star in the middle of the season. It's hard when everyone's had their roles designated. I think that played a little yeah. bit in. But also just don't think Aladipo played very well. And I think that's yeah. because a lot of his game, like John Walls actually, is predicated on the athleticism, that quick bounce, you know. You know, players are so scared that Oladipo is going to just blast by them. They're already on the back foot a little bit, and that allows him to, you know, pull up from free, decent three-point shot. I remember that first round against the LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was so, so good. And I thought that guy's ready to take a bit of a leap. But injuries happen. And I think this extra time is, like you said about, uh, who is it we were talking about earlier who might come back from injury? Uh, Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this time might help him a little bit. Obviously, we don't know how much basketball work these guys are doing. But he can maybe get a bit of that athletic spring back a little bit. And they could, like you said, they can be a tough out for anyone in the playoffs. You know, you, if you're a backcourt, you don't want to come up against Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo because that's like the best defensive backcourt in the league. So... I, like you said, it's more about the questions are about excitement rather than, oh, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Yeah. So we shall see. And yeah, they, they could viably cause an upset here. I mean, if they were playing right now, they'd play Miami and I'd pick Miami. But if, if Indiana won, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, same. I mean, I'm, I'm picking Miami in that series nine times out of ten anyway. and. I mean, I know what you said earlier, Lewis, in terms of you could see them having an upset on a on a bigger team. I, I really can't. I'm sorry. I I, I do. You're down understand. on the paces, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He's been down on paces for a while. Yeah, I like the players as a individual. Like I like Sabonis. I like Oladipo. I like Malcolm Brogdon. I like Miles Turner. I like TJ Warren. I even like Jeremy Lamb. But as yeah, a team, Lamb. I don't get that that sauce from them. I don't get that. Call you know they could they could do bits they, like I'm scared of the paces I don't get that but but whatsoever oh like even the magic the magic would strike more fear into me as a team collective 
That is an absolutely <laughs> awful opinion no, I've just heard it's, there. It's, it's just the, the vibe I get. I'm not backing no. it up. There is not a chance in hell if I was going to put as a playoff series the Magic v. the Pacers. Not that it can happen, but if that was going to happen as a playoff series, there's no way I'd bet on the Magic. But it's more of the... There's something about the Pacers... <laughs> Why did you say that then? <laughs> no, but it's because there's something about the Pacers that just that it's lacking for me. Is it because they lost like, like 50 points? The magic. <laughs> no. There's something about the Magic that gives you gives you a nice feeling. No, but there's... I don't know. There's Terrence just Ross. Yeah, no. no. There's there's just something missing from that Pacers team. Um, no, I'm, I'm not hating on the Pacers. I'm just pretty much... Uh, Often you are hating on the Pacers. I, 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 I mean, I, I get what you mean. I think if Oladipo's your best player, there is a little bit of a ceiling there. Yeah, there, that, like, that's the only that thing I'd say. They don't have like, that start. They've got I mean. a great team, but they don't have a Kawhi, no, a Kevin Magic, Durant. Magic no, but the Magic don't have one. But I still yeah, that's what I was about to say. They don't either. But, um, Miami. Magic, no, the magic. Oh, magic, sorry. Okay. Oh, the Miami have got a star. Of course they've got a star. Well, can we move on to that now, actually? We can can do, because to be honest, there's not really much I want to say about the Pacers. Their their books as well, their payrolls pretty much. It is one of the best in the league, I I, I will state. They have got a lot of cap room moving forward as well. They had a lot of roster change as well over the summer. They have. They do well. They do well there. 21-22, they're they're, they're sitting, they could sign two max players. So, like, they're they're cushioning. No, they don't sign anyone, no, but that's the thing. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not down on the paces, but I will not be hanging out the bunting for them. So, um, we'll go to number four. We'll go down to to South Beach. We'll talk about Miami. Um, and I want to start with this one for a change because Damn. my boy Butler's there. So, I want to talk about the fact that everyone was like, for all the years he's been in the NBA, oh, he's tarnishing locker rooms. Yeah, not a team player. Does all this? What's he done? Gone into the Miami Heat team. Bunch of rookies absolutely took them under his wing, shown them the way, right? And what have they got now? Tyler Hero, Duncan Robertson, absolute lethal guys there. Bam Adebayo, Mm. Adebayo was all-star level this year, right? They've got all of this around it. Mm. It's been an unbelievable year for the Miami Heat. Absolutely unbelievable. No one would have predicted this this season for them so far. No, they play basketball. We've said this before. I think if you're going to watch any team play basketball, we watch Miami Heat play basketball because they've got no, literally no. shot creators down the rotation. Everyone there can create a shot for themselves or they can create a shot for someone else. And that goes from a Bam Adebayo because he's a great playmaking center. I don't think a guy who gets mentioned enough in this, Goran Dragic, good season for him. Uh, yeah. Kendrick Nunn as well, very good player. Rookie season, not rookie of the year, even though he can claim it. Definitely not, but you know, <laughs> yeah, he was he was really good this year for, and he's got an interesting story as well. If you want to look into that yourself, um, I think maybe what you think with the Indiana pace, I I kind of agree with your sentiments that they don't have that standout player that I think can lead them to real glory. I think the Miami mm. Heat have that same sort of thing because although Jimmy yeah. Butler is a great player, I don't think he is that player. And there's only yeah, a couple of players in the league that can properly lead their team to championship. I'd say Steph Curry, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I don't think I... There's no one else that's proved they can do that, so I can't say anyone else. Yeah. So that's not a rag on Jimmy Butler by any means. It's just that they. I think they'll need... They need Yanis. I think that is the one they'll be aiming for in 2021. Yeah. And then at that stage, who can stop them, really? You'd be looking mm. at Miami Brooklyn. That's a tasty series. 
do you want to counter that, George? By any, do you think Jimmy Butler is good enough for that? Um, I'd say that he, this is his best chance to prove that he is good enough for it. Mm. Um, because the Sixers won, they would, you'd have the issue of who is the true leader of that team. That's the one thing that I'll give him. Whereas on this team, it's a fact that he's the true leader of this team. Mm. Um, and I, I wouldn't be expecting anything kind of this year. I would be expecting it 2021, 2022 sort of times if the Heat are really ever going to push on. The fact that they also signed Andre Iguodala is a big plus for me because when it comes in and it kicks off into playoff time, I will be taking me some Iggy because I want that man on my team when I'm going into a playoff mm. series. Um, Even at the very least, he's a good player to have around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's there for two years and then the team option in 2021-22 as well. So for me, it's all positives for the for, for the Sixers. Sorry, I'm having flashbacks to Butler on the Sixers. It's all positives for the Miami Heat. Um, and, you know, and all the young players that they've got surrounding them, like Tyler Heroes, are Absolutely, he's had a great season for me. Sam Bam, like, there, there's nothing really. Duncan Robinson is a, is a. That's what I'd, I want to see if Duncan Robinson can shoot like that in the playoffs as well. That's what I want to see. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all positives for the Heat. Yeah, I'd say the main things that's I'd take away are they have a fantastic young core. You know, he talked about Adebayo, Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson. All of them are 25 and under. So that's a great core to move forward with. And then the team attitude as well. Obviously, put in by Jimmy Butler being that leader. And it's worked fantastically for them. No one thought they'd be as good as they have been this year. Whilst I do... So having said that, I do agree with the sentiment that you said, Louis, which is much like the Pacers, they don't have that player that Mm. is a real star that, that you'd look to and say that guy can carry them. And that's no, as you said, that's, I'm not hating on Jimmy Butler saying that. No, there's only and, a few And there's players a very, very few that. players that you can say yeah. that about. Yeah. But when it comes to, uh, and having said that as well, when you, even when you look at the East, Yanis, while you would put him as that kind of player, he hasn't done it in the playoffs. No, you can't say Yanis is that player. And, and then apart from that, the only players that are really that level, you know, that there's not really, I mean, you can make the case for Embiid, but he's been inconsistent. You can make the case for Kyrie, but he was the second player. Oh, uh, yeah, the that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Ky- Kyrie, maybe, but once again, Kevin, he, he wasn't the first option. Kevin Durant. So, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about this is this is not including yeah, yeah. KD. Obviously, KD, didn't it? So, it's, I'm not trying to hate on Drew Butler when I say that, but. I do kind of think of the Pacers and the Heat in that same way. But, as you said, the really, I think the real interesting thing with the Heat is if they, which they're definitely going to do, go and get Yanis, they will be fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> that that's, re- that's a real one. It makes sense in a lot to. of ways as well. I think yeah. Miami is just a great destination for free agents to weather. You know, yeah. the, the whole awe of the place. And then Pat Riley, I think, really resonate, will resonate with Yanis's work ethic. So but, uh, I'll be surprised even, if they're not favourites. Not even looking that far and just looking at it now, it's going to be really interesting to see how this young team progresses mm. with Jimmy Butler as well being, being that leader. Uh, and as George said, I think there's only really positives you can take. 
Yeah. I mean, the one big asset that you just missed out on as well for Yanis is that if he does go to Miami, there's no income state tax in Florida. So, I mean... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, um, that's a big asset for Wild. <laughs> that's, that's probably arguably the biggest one that they can get. So... Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll move it on from there and we'll, we'll, we'll take a little trip over to a team that was 43 wins and 21 losses before the NBA season went down in, in number third, in the number third spot. Number three spot is the Boston Celtics. Um, I know I started on Miami Heat, so you know what? I'm going to go for Lewis. You start with the Boston Celtics. I mean, when I look at the Celtics, the the main thing that comes to mind is I think you know, the Celtics are coming. That team is coming together and it is going to be fantastic. <laughs> You, you, you've got your, your young players and Jason Tatum's pushed on this year. Jalen Brown's had a great year. You look at, they've got Kemba Walker now as well, who, who, who had a good season. Gordon Hayward got back to getting back into being at the level he was at. And I just look at that team, maybe not the depth, but just the starters. And that, it just looks like it, they are going to be a fantastic team if they if they can push on. And even this season they were fourth in defensive rating, fifth in offensive rating. I I think for the for the next couple of years, this is this is maybe not the team because of KD and Kyrie and potentially if Yanis gets over his playoff humps. Apart from that, this is the team to look out for, I think. Uh, they have a very high ceiling in my opinion. Yeah, that ceiling is, I would say, dependent on Jason Tatum because yeah. he may not be the best player on that. Well, you could argue he's the best player on that team right now, but I'd probably say Kemba just due to the pedigree, mm. how long he's been in the league and how long he's been doing it. But you can quite clearly see that star potential. The guys we just mentioned, the guys who have led their teams to player success, you know, they're big wings who can create mm. offense from the perimeter, drive into the the basket as well and get free throws finish finish at the rim also mid-range as well a lot of these guys thrive in the mid-range and mm. jason tate i feel like he he's primed to do that because you look at that month of february where we will say he really took a leap you know he played the sixers the thunder rockets clippers the lakers the jazz and kemba wasn't playing in a lot of those games i remember and he carried the Boston Celtics offensively. He averaged 30 points off of 48% shooting from three and then 49% shooting overall from the field. And then he mm. got almost eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block of games. Great defensive player as well. We should mention that. Yeah. And that really says to me that Boston's, they looked a bit lost coming into the season because obviously they lost Kyrie. People think, oh, these young players, maybe they'll take a little bit of a step back. But those players that we saw took them to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years before. They're very good players. <laughs> they just are. And uh, I think they needed a better environment to work in. And Jalen Brown has been very good as well. I should mention that. But Jason Tatum genuinely looks like a superstar. And they should build around him as best as they can because I think he'll be a top 10 guy in this league and he can be a guy that wins them a playoff series. Hmm. Oh, you don't like the Boston Celtics as much, do you? Go on, what, what are you going to say? Uh, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Jason Tatum. I'm a big fan of Kemba Walker. Not sold on... Well, I'm, I'm not... It's not I'm not sold. I'm not really a fan of Gordon Hayward. Um, 
not really a fan of Marcus Smart. I'm a fan of Jalen Brown. I don't really like Marcus Smart that much, actually. Uh, and, and I think that even though it's not as important as it was in prior NBA seasons, but the uh, the, the big man situation for them, Ennis Cantor's all right, Daniel Tyson's all right, but it's not great. It's not great, it? yeah. Um, but it can do a job. I don't think the big the centre position is that important. It can. I mean, Jason Tatum's contract runs out in 2021 as well. So, yeah, but they'll, have to, they'll give him max offer. They, they, they will very early. Um, <laughs> so the first times they will do. Yeah, uh, but again, I, I, I'm just. I mean, the, it is what it is with the Celtics. Really, the the takeaway is that you've got a good team. You, you you're going to go a little bit further. I mean, they did better than I thought they were going to do this year. Who they got? I mean, I'd I'd still be I'd still have the the Sixers beating them in the playoffs. So, just would. I mean, even if I, I'll take bias out of it, I still think the big man situation in that game and the fact that they could put Ben Simmons at point guard and put on Kemba or put him at small forward and put him on Tatum. I'm not. I I honestly realistically see the the Sixers beating the Celtics in the playoff series. I tend to disagree. I disagree. But- yeah, yeah I disagree as well. we're gonna to have to agree to disagree on that one i think personally yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um yeah. we'll move to number two then and yeah. probably the i would say the most surprising team in the entire conference this year the toronto mm, Raptors. Um, i'd probably go heat over them but they they are definitely one of them yeah i, I mean, get that they... the reason sorry the reason i i would say that they're the most surprising is because obviously you lose the fun guy and everyone's writing you off, but look at them. Yeah, they've been great. They, they were uh, actually on course to have a better record than they did last year, and they lost the finals MVP. I think Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit for that, actually, because mm. he's maximising the players' abilities to their fullest potential. And I'm not talking just about Pascal Siakam, who is a candidate, again, for most improved player. He won it last year as well. But, you know, Fred mm. Van Fleet's been much better this year. OG Ananobi, Nick uh, Norm Powell, Terence Davis, Chris Boucher, like the guys on the end of the rotation, have been very good mm. as well. So Nick Nurse, maybe the coaches don't really get much of a shout out because we just focus on the players. I think, but I think Nick yeah. Nurse deserves a lot of credit for that, and he's a British basketball legend, as we were hearing before this <laughs> recording this podcast. Owner of the Brighton, what was it, Brighton Bears or something? Yes, he is oh, indeed. <laughs> Oh, okay. Right, something. So a big rep to Nick Nurse. So, uh, yeah. I think I think the uh, main thing I will say about the Toronto Raptors is the same thing I'm going to say about the Miami Heat and the Pacers. Though is that Siakam's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but even though he is a champion, I'm not sure I have the same type of confidence I have in maybe someone like Jason Tatum to lead someone in a playoff series like that. Because I was watching that game seven against uh, Philadelphia last year, obviously the famous Kawhi shot. And Pascal, he looked like a fish out of water. He looked scared. And that was his first game seven. You know, fair play, I can chalk it up to that. But his game isn't entirely indicative of someone who can really influence a playoff game with those big shots late on. So Mm. Masai will have to see about that. And he'll know how to identify that and, the best way to go about it because he's the best GM in the league. Yeah, I, I would say firstly, Siakam's turned into a star. He's he, he was playing brilliantly, averaging just over twenty three and a half points, seven and a half rebounds. But even more so than that, it was just as you said, 
how well all those not role players but your players that aren't stars and mm. obviously your star leaves and you need people to step up and how they've all stepped up is a credit to them and as you said a credit to Nick Nurse Serge Ibaka has been playing really well this year Fred Van Vliet's been playing really well this year as you said OG Ananobi and Larry. yep Carl Larry as well and I think when you look at as you said them not having that that star like Kawhi Leonard anymore who's going to drag them through the one thing that I would give the Raptors over the Pacers and the Heat is that they do have that championship mentality. They have been mm, through those playoffs before, and, it, and it's one of those intangibles you have to account for. Uh, and, and people do, when you look on the other side, when you see someone like Yanis, who who looks like he's going to be one of those star players, but people hold those intangibles against him of him not being able to do it in the playoffs. The These lot have... Well, they haven't been the star. They've been there. They've accomplished it, and now they're all elevating as a team. And I think it's a credit. It's a credit to them. I'll ask you: Do you think now Toronto is a good free agents destination? I'd have to see the situations regarding contracts and cap space because I'm not. Informed on that uh, right just now, like in but... general, like if a max free agent was thinking oh, about New think York, a... did you think it's desirable? Obviously, Toronto isn't as desirable as your destinations like LA, like Miami, New York, and potentially Chicago. New York, I mean the Knicks, the Knicks are awful, but the Nets, maybe not. I, I guess the one thing about the Raptors that a lot of people always say is you don't you're not just that you know it's not just Toronto that's going to be behind yeah, you it's, it's the entire be, country yeah. but maybe people that that's the plus but on the other side some people might not like that they'll be in Canada as opposed to the US which that, that that's completely on, on individuals opinions it's, yeah it's, it's not a thing in general but as you said, yeah, there are bigger markets yeah. than Toronto. Yeah, uh, George, what do you think about? Um, I mean, with with the Raptors for them this season, again, I've I've already said it. I was very surprised with them as a whole. I was even more surprised with Pascal Siakim, as I thought he wouldn't really kick on. But um, well, we all saw what happened with that one. Um, this year is going to be. It's really the final year for the Raptors in terms of the, the, the core Raptors that we know because even though Carl yeah. Lowry got another year in 2020, Mark Gasol's finished his contract. He's Saka, 20 years old. Yeah, Serge Ibaka's done. I don't know if they're going to really pick him up again on that one. He's only 30. I think uh, is Van Vliet a restricted free agent as well? He is indeed, yeah. Mm. Um, Van Vliet's at $9 million as well, so I'd be quite surprised if he isn't offered quite a big pay rise in yeah, terms he'll, of that. He'll get yeah. Van Vliet did... did bits for them in the playoffs and also in terms of this as well in terms of the regular season but it all hangs around the bases with them with obviously Pascal Siakam he's now tied up to the books so he's 30, 31 um, it, it's just positives for the Raptors because I don't care what was said everyone was expecting this season it was kind of oh what happens in this season so what we just won our first ever championship you know who cares but like they're, they're going into this that they will get second in the they'll, they'll be um 
second pick. And, you know, it's going to be, it's an interesting future. I don't know if they're going to be a free agent destination though, just because I don't think it's anything to do. If Kawhi had stayed and they went back to back, it genuinely would have changed that franchise forever. I know the one win has anyway, but it would have made that franchise so like so admirable to any player to kind of go there and be like, okay, damn, if Kawhi's done this and he's won literally Canada, then you know what? I why can't I go and do that? But it's still the issue is that to, to kind of crack into that market and become that free agent destination, one one championship doesn't do that. Do you see? Yeah. Do you see Yanis taken into consideration the Toronto Raptors? I think he'll take into consideration the Toronto Raptors pretty much the same way that Kawhi did in terms of if he was mm. going to stay or not. Um, there'll be a general, there'll, there'll be positives there for him, and they'll make the pitch, and it'll all be great. But at the end of the day, uh, if I, I, I will not be placing money on Yanis to be ending up there. Yeah, the one thing I would say though that we haven't mentioned as much, we've, I mean, we've lauded, we've lauded them a little bit, but in terms of the potential destination. The package of Nick Nurse and Masai Ujiri, there's not much better than that in the entire league. So that is very enticing. If you're going to be put put into that system, that is very enticing if you're a player. And you know Masai will be looking, he'll be thinking the same things we are. Like, what is this season when Pascal Siakam being the best player? Yeah. And he'll, he's better than, miles better than us, obviously, to identify what they do need to do moving forward. It's just mm. a bit of a tricky one because obviously they're so competitive right now. but you have to have questions about how far they can go with that. And, um, yeah, that's one of the things I'll be looking for, uh, looking for moving forward is to see how they construct this team. Uh, cause a lot of different ways they can go through here. Yeah, there is indeed. And, um, that brings us up to the final team. And obviously we all know mm. who it is. It's the, the league leaders in the conference. Uh, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. 53 wins and 12 losses heading in before Corona shut us all down. Um, mm. I mean, what else is there to say apart from the Bucks than Giannis Antetokounmpo? Well, yeah, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the rest of the team as well. I don't like, like they're obviously not as, uh, they're not stars, but they play their roles magnificently. And mm. you just have to look at the, uh, the rankings of the uh, defensive ratings of every player in the league. And then you look at it and the guys that have played serious minutes and serious games this season, the top seven guys in defensive rating are all Milwaukee Bucks players, literally all of them. Yeah. And Brooke Lopez, his shooting hasn't been good this season, but he plays that rim protection role really well. Dante DiVincenzo slips into Malcolm Brogdon's role. We all thought that would be a weakness this season, but he's played really well as well. Um, Pat Connington, George Hill, Robin Lopez, it is over great depth. And then you've got Chris Middleton, a guy who's averaging 21 points a season and so, so close to a 50, 40, 90 season yeah. as well. So Yanis may think he he might have a better chance winning elsewhere. There might be better players on other teams. But they've constructed it around him as pretty damn good as they can. And I think they'll feel mm-hmm. a little bit miffed off if he does leave. But it will come down to whether they make the finals or not, I think. Because if they don't mm. make that finals, I do not... Well, he'll have another season to try it out. But I can't see how they'd overcome that loss to then go to a finals the next season. They may do. But all dependent, as we'll always say, of the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks is if they can get it done in the postseason because it's Just- harder to play like Yanis. 
just whilst we're on the subject of this as well, I mean, I, I distinctly remember you, Lou, at the time the contract was signed, stating that if Yanis does end up leaving, um, and this was granted, this was before this season, mm. um, that mm. if Yanis does end up leaving, that you believe that Chris Middleton would have been given one of the worst contracts in the league at that time. Do you yeah. still? I mean, I think it'd be a bit different with him as a first choice option. He's a great player. That contract was a lot. They had to do it, obviously. But when you you'd look at that a bit bit further down the line without Yanis, and then you'd think, oh, that's a bit peak. But what else can you do? They had to. They they have built around Yanis the best they can. They have done. Mm. And if he leaves, I don't think they can really say blame themselves much because they put the pieces he needs around him which is, apart from at point guard oh, I forgot about him Eric Bledsoe um, he's been oh, yeah, again, yeah, actually, this a, season. yeah I've got a bit to say about him voice, then. Jesus. Oh, I have something to say about oh, him I forgot about him I'll go on in this alright so I'll get, I'll get on to him in a bit but the main thing with me with the Bucks is we all thought they were going to be a fantastic regular season team again. We all thought Yanis would be fantastic again, which he has been. Middleton's been even better than he was last year. As you said, averaging nearly a 50-40-90. He's been fantastic. Eric Bledsoe, as their third scoring option, has been really good this year. He's averaging just over 15 points. He's had a fantastic mm-hmm. season. And as you said, defensively, they are incredible. All this being said, the question that everyone has to ask themselves and is asking themselves, is are they the real deal? After seeing what they did in the playoffs last season, the question marks are still there. Could they do it this year? And I will say, I've been getting convinced more and more by them as the season went on. And I think they could be that team to get out of the East. Obviously, there are those questions about Yanis, but my... My main worry would be, yeah, obviously most of it predicates on Yanis because if he doesn't play well, the Bucks don't play well. But having having said that, even when Yanis hasn't been there, they've still been a good team. They've managed to do well in the regular season. But Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs was awful for them. Mm-hmm. And now he is playing really well this season, but he has even more of an important role than he did previously. And so I have to ask myself, do I think he can keep up that level of performance in the playoffs or will he suffer the same issues he has been? And I'm less confident on that front than I am as a whole with the Bucks. I said I was getting a bit more convinced. So I have conflicting feelings about them, but... I would say overall, you can't. I mean, you can't take anything negative away from the regular season. They've been fantastic. So it's just asking yourself that question: Could they do what they didn't do last year and kick on in the playoffs? And actually, I think if you ask me now, I'd be inclined to say yes. So that is definitely a positive for them overall. So obviously, I'm I'm pretty high on the Bucks. I too would pick them to come out of the East this yeah. year personally, just because I think. They just have that one level above everyone else that we've mentioned mm-hmm. so far. I think if you were putting anyone on a talent basis, it would be the Philadelphia 76ers, and you could say they don't match up against them very well. I just don't see the 76ers getting to the point where they'd face the Milwaukee Bucks, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. George, I think we actually done like a past prediction. I think you said the Philadelphia 76ers would go to the NBA Finals. Do you still believe uh, in that statement? 
um, believe is a strong word. Um, I would say that there is a possibility that they could end up at the end. There's a possibility of Orlando Magic can get to the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I think that um, with the Bucks, it's 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 realistically they've got this year and they got it next year, and that is it for them because what come the end of next year, that's when Yanis's contract expires, and you've got Eric Bledsoe will be thirty-two. Brooke Lopez will be 34. George Hill will be 35. Chris Middleton will be 31. So if they're ever going to win, they need to do it this year or next year. Otherwise, that's that. That's all, folks. It really is that much of a of, of a wrap for them. Can they do it? Of course they can. Do I think they will? Absolutely not. I just don't see them having it over either of the LA teams, if I'm being honest. Do you think they get out of the East, though? Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. But do you I think, think they get I, out of the East? I think this year they will get out of the East. Next year, it'll be a different ball game. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think it'll be a bit more difficult next year for them with KD coming back. The Celtics maybe pushing on a bit. Maybe the There's 76ers. No way. There's still, Indiana. Yeah, maybe the 76ers still maybe out their issues. I'm a super team. <laughs> but it, it's more... Yeah. Of a, I think if we, it, we're sticking with the theme of the podcast in terms of... To take to take away from this season, unbelievable season that they've had. Um, best team in the, in the league um, in the regular season. Um, but y- your main takeaway is it's now or never. Well, now or twelve months later or never. That's pretty much. That doesn't have the same ring to it. That doesn't have the kind of headline blockbuster poster of the, the tagline at the bottom of now or twelve months later. Um, yeah. But that is the case for Milwaukee at the minute. Um, I think. If they win, obviously he stays. If they don't, I do think he's off. I don't think he'll stay around. I don't even care if they make the finals both times. I don't think he'll stay. Um, that's it for me, really, because I know he wants to win. And I think, he, and I think, he, I know he says every time he's asked about this by the media, he's like, "Well, I just want to make sure that you know, we if the team can show me that we can get there, then I'll stay." That's absolute crap. If if they make the finals twice and they don't win there and then, one, you're going to blame Yanis because every superstar that doesn't win in the finals is blamed. Yeah. And two, he will be off because he's going to know that, one, that team's over the hill at that point, two finals deep. And he's going to go, and he'll either go to the Warriors or the Heat, in my opinion, if we're going to go into that situation. Well, the Warriors is a good one. Oh, um, I hope he doesn't go to the Warriors. I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I really do. But I, I, I think that they will end up making him one of the best attractive offers. So I was going to say... This is like the last season for Yanis, I think, where people give him that, you know, little bit of respite. Well, he did get quite badly bounced from the playoffs last year, but I don't think people are, oh, that's the first trip he's really made in the playoffs. That's yeah. the first deep playoff run. This year, if he doesn't make it to the final, questions will be start being asked, like questions were asked of LeBron, Kevin Durant. We talked about Shaq last week. They asked the same about him, and that will weigh on him a little bit as well, and I tend to agree even if they do make the finals both times. He'd have to have that lingering thought in the back of his mind. I can't do it with these lot. And yeah, I, I think Miami, I think Toronto, Golden State, all give him better options to win yeah. the championship. And that's what he needs to do. Indeed. Um, and on that note, we're going to end that one there. That was each and every team in the Eastern Conference, our, our opinions and 
what it is to take away from their uh, regular season, moving into the playoffs and moving into the off-season. Uh, make sure you're following us on our socials, on Twitter and Instagram, at Pod and on Facebook as well. You can drop us a like there. That would be fab. Uh, make sure you're staying safe, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace.